Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. Let me read to you once again from the book of Titus, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, for the grace of God has appeared. Aren't you thankful for that today? Bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us for himself, a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Proclaim these things, encourage and rebuke with all authority and let no one disregard you. We're in a series right now where we get our theme from that passage, this blessed hope. And for seven weeks, we're looking at some of the end times events So far, we've looked at the rapture. Uh, We've studied the Antichrist. Today, our student pastor, Shane Harrington, he's going to be talking to us about the tribulation. And next week, I'll be back up here to talk to you guys about an event known as Armageddon. I want to remind you as we continue studying today, we are not studying these things to stir fear. We are not studying these things in order for you to go out of here and try to convince people of your theological end times timeline, okay? We are studying these things so that you and I, as Jesus's children, may be encouraged because of the blessed hope we have in him, amen? With that said, I'm going to hand it over to Shane now. He's going to continue in our series today. Um, So we're going to get into it uh, here pretty quick. So, you know, I kind of feel like... I was set up here in a way, okay? Uh, I mean, come on. Larry Barker knocked it out of the park, and I'm the one that gets to follow that? I mean, come on. Now, he did an extremely awesome job last week. I'm so glad we were able to get him uh, to come, and his family got to come, and, and I know a lot of you are connected with him. And so that was, that was really cool, and he did a phenomenal job on the Antichrist. I, I don't know if I've ever heard a better sermon on the Antichrist than what he did last Sunday. So if you were not here last Sunday, I would ask, go look at the podcast on Collective Church and go and, and, and listen to that podcast. It is an incredible sermon that he does. Uh, but now we're going to get into the tribulation. All right, and so the tribulation, we've, we've kind of touched on it uh, here and there and in the midst of, of what we've already been studying. And, 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 we, and we know... Uh, from just listening just a little bit, that the tribulation is, for, for most beliefs, for what most people believe, is a seven-year-long period, uh, a, a, a period of, of the wrath of the beast of, of Satan, the wrath of God, that we see all of these very, very destructive things that we see in a very uh, short amount of time uh, before Jesus ultimately makes his return and we begin again with the millennial reign. And so this is a, this is a very, uh, very uh, long period to try to go over. All right. So we're going to try to just break it down really quick for you. Um, so the, the book of Revelation pretty much tells us 
uh, the tribulation period. So it pretty much starts in chapter 4, and it goes all the way through chapter 19. So buckle up. It's going to be a long road. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But let's quickly, I just want to I just want to give you just a little bit of a forecast of it. If you're eager to look into the tribulation period, let's let's kind of break it down real quickly of what it happens chapter by chapter in the book of Revelation. We'll actually be in 2 Thessalonians today, but I wanted to take time just for a moment to show you all what kind of happens in this tribulation period. In, in, a, in a very condensed way, because then we're going to go and look at the message to the saints regarding tribulation at the church of Thessalonica. And so in chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, we see the throne room and the glory of God. That is a huge moment that John is taken up and he's able to see these things. And he, the first thing that he sees as he enters into heaven is the throne room and the glory of our God. In chapter 5, we see that only one is worthy to begin this process, and that is the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. We see that in chapter 5. As we move through chapter 6, we see the seven seals begin. And this is the beginning of the tribulation period where we begin to see the destruction of those who stand against God Almighty. In chapter 7, we see, though, Larry mentioned it last week, and I love that he did this, that people are still being saved in the tribulation period. Amen? That God is a good God. He's a just God. He's a loving God. We just sang about that, and we're going to come back to that in just a moment because God is just really on it this morning. Chapter 8 and 9 reveals the seven trumpets, more tribulation. As we continue in chapter 10 and 11, we get the final trumpet that gets sounded there in chapters 12 through 15. We see that Satan and the beast is loosed on the earth, and in chapters 16 through 18, we begin to see the wrath of God. And in chapter 19, we see the marriage supper of the Lamb and the beginning of the millennium. So that is a breakdown in the book of Revelation where you can go and you can find what the tribulation uh, is all about. And, 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 and for most of that part of, uh, of the book of Revelation, you're going to see a, a lot of stuff, a lot of things. And you got to keep in mind, if you go and read this and you decide that you want to really study out the tribulation period, you're going to read things that John is trying to interpret 2,000 years ago. Okay, and now we're living in this time and in this day and age, and it is, it's going to be an extremely hard read. So I, I'm not trying to discourage you or anyone from going to do that, but just have an open mind and make sure that you're finding good and reliable sources to help you along your way as you look into the tribulation. And, and like I said, I mean, there is just, there's no way that we can possibly go through all of those chapters, and I'm not going to put you through that this morning. You're welcome. All right, but it is fascinating. But what I want us to make sure that we continue to understand is that Jesus is the winner. God has ultimately won, and we see it right off the bat with the tribulation and Revelation 4 where, that, where he is worthy, and in 5 we see where the Lamb of God who is slain, he is the only one that is worthy he is worthy. And so as we continue to lay this out today, we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to look through verses 3 through 12 this morning. So if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there, uh, you can do so. But I want to, I want to go and, and read this because uh, it just struck me as we 
as we went and we started to sing that last song, I, I'm telling you guys, I, I almost just oh, became overwhelmed with emotion and, and with what God is doing today and, and here. And he is always doing uh, great and fascinating and beautiful things because here's the deal. like God is with us this morning. He sits among us. He is in you. He is with you. And he is bringing us up and he is filling us out. And God Almighty right now is here. And I hope that you will listen to how he wants you to serve him this morning. And I love how we, how we were singing this song in the chorus. Because I want you to keep this in mind because as we go through this talk, let me remind you that tribulation is not a beautiful picture. It is not something that is it appears to be kind. It's definitely not good. Uh, it's good for the saints, but we need to keep in mind for those that are against God, It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing at all. It's total destruction. Total destruction. But I want us to remember what we sang this morning because it's very important. I'm not saying, we all just sang this. It says that, God, you're so good. God, you are so good. Will you please keep that in mind this morning? that we serve a good, just God. That is who we serve. That is who we look to. He is our creator. He is good. I am blessed. I am called. I am healed. I am whole. I am saved. In whose name? Jesus' name. Filled with your power, Jesus is here this morning in you. God is good this morning. So here's some points that we're going to regard to the tribulation. And I titled this message, Tribulation, a message to the saints. And as we go through this, this, this book of the Bible, we've really looked at Thessalonians quite a bit as we've gone through here. And there's a reason for that. And I want to bring it out this morning, but we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians. And Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica here. And here's something cool that we see uh, right off the bat is that Paul is continuing to remind them here in the beginning of the second letter he writes to them that they're doing really, really well, okay? So what does that tell you about the church at Thessalonica that, that literally Paul is writing to them and encouraging them over and over again? He's telling them, right, even in the first letter and now here in the second letter, that, hey, you guys are mature enough, you're good enough, and you are ready for this. I'm going to tell you about this event, That is saying something about the church at Thessalonica, that they were prepared for this mentally, spiritually, and physically. They were ready to be told about this coming time. And so the very first point we're going to look at today is remember who holds the victory. Remember who holds the victory. Right, and, and, that's, and that's with all of this stuff. No matter where you, you feel like you fall on the timeline or, or all these things that you may be introduced into, if we don't have anything else but remembering this point, and that is that Jesus Christ is coming again. 
He has gone. He has prepared a place for you. He loves you. He loves his church. And he will be a judge for you. He holds the victory. But don't take my word for it. Let's look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's look at verses 3 through 4 here. Look at how Paul begins to introduce this idea to them. He says, We ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, rightly so, since your faith is flourishing, and love each one of you who has for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you among God's churches, about your perseverance and faith in, in all persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. You see, God, uh, uh, Paul here is lifting up the church at Thessalonica. He is uh, giving them uh, credence. He's like, hey, we're talking about you guys to other churches. We are talking about how mature you are, how spiritually uh, uplifting you are, what you are doing well, and, and you're doing it all in the name of Jesus. And notice what he says. He says, even through persecution, even through accusation, even through maybe degrading your name, even though it may cost you your life, you are still living for the victory that is found in Jesus Christ. He is absolutely bringing them up. Paul is excited about this church and that they are growing in the knowledge and he's introducing to them this idea of what is being held for them. God is good. God is good. He says, he says in verse 4, listen to this, Therefore we ourselves boast about you, about your perseverance, about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. Right? I would say that as we, as we sit here today, church, we may not have people coming at us and threatening our lives with what we believe because we live in a free nation and we have that right and thank God for it. But church, this morning, if you're sitting here today and you've never been persecuted because you have believed and have faith in the Lord Jesus, you may want to check yourself because I'm telling you, church, if we're living for the Lord, if we're living right in Him and having faith in Him, you will have trials and tribulations. Jesus says the world will absolutely hate you because of me. Jesus is who we live for, and when we live for Him, you will experience persecution. You will experience, one would say, tribulation. Right? Not referencing this tribulation, but you will experience times that are hard, times that are not necessarily easy for us to walk through. And but listen to what Paul is uplifting them about. And church, I want to do that for us this morning, is that they are being uh, they are persevering. They are persevering through this. They're being uplifted by who? One another. One another church, if we're going to make it through this time, if we're going to be able to live it out for Jesus, we must do it together in good community so that we can eventually help the people that are outside of these walls. We must live for Jesus Christ, and we must remember that God holds the victory. We have no room for worry and fear when it comes to the tribulation. Listen to me again. 
We have no room in our lives to worry or to fear of the tribulation. No worry, no fear. Why? Because who holds the victory? Jesus holds the victory. And if Jesus holds the victory, he has absolutely defeated everything that can absolutely come against you because guess what? The only thing that held us down into the grave and into an eternal place of separation from God was death and he defeated it on the cross and he rose again and he lives today and he's coming again. He's coming again. Remember the victory. Point number two, and this one, we're going to really get in to Paul talking about the tribulation to a point. We're going to study about Jesus here for a second, but I want to remember and remind you, there's a reason I wanted to read that verse uh, in that song. God is good. Remember that. Don't stray from that. But remember, verse, or point number two, remember the reality of the tribulation. Let me be real with you this morning. The tribulation is real. It is really going to happen. It's a real thing that is really going to happen. It's going to happen, and in God's timing, it's already happened, right? And that's how we know we have the victory, but the reality is is that the tribulation 100% will happen. Let's read, starting in verse 5 here in 2 Thessalonians, it says, It is clear evidence of God's righteousness, judgment, that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom, for which you also are suffering, since it is just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Let's pause there for just a moment. You know, as we, as we look into the Old Testament, as, as we look into the Old Testament, we see that God has a certain people that is referred to the nation of Israel. We all know that, but at many, many times, we see that God absolutely commands them to do what? To sometimes to go into places and totally destroy it. And we have people today, and there's a reason I bring this up. There's a reason I bring this up, because I want you to remember, God is good. God is good. And when God orders them to do this, is God still good? Amen. Yes, he is. God is still good because God has a purpose. God has a plan behind it. And the people of Israel were being persecuted. It's not like they're going to attack innocent people. Let me put it into you for you right now where you sit. If you are at home and someone comes barging into your house, dad, husband, What will your instinct be to defend your family, to defend your home, to absolutely do everything you can to defend it and win over the person who is persecuting you? God does that for you. And guess who else God does that for? The church. He does it for the church because he loves the church. It is a powerful, powerful statement as God gets into this. And here's the deal. God is good, but guess what God is? God is the ultimate judge. And he's a good judge. He's a just judge. Look again, and let's read that now again as we look at this even clearer. It is clear evidence of God's righteousness. He's good. 
He's righteous. He is perfect. It is clear evidence of God's righteousness, judgment, that you will be counted worthy. You are counted worthy of God's kingdom. And because you are found worthy, since it is just for them to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Can I tell you this morning, the tribulation, God's wrath is not for you. God's wrath is not for you. The affliction is coming to those who persecute you. The uh, the tribulation is coming to those who doubt who Father God is. In verse 7 and 8, let's now read that. And to give relief to those who are afflicted, speaking to the church along with us. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven and his powerful angels. God loves his people. And when tribulation comes, guess who is going to usher the end of tribulation? It is Jesus Christ. He's going to bring it to an end. He's going to bring it to a hold. And me and you will not suffer any of that. The tribulation and the wrath of God is not for you. It is for those who persecute the church, who absolutely denounce the Lord God, and we're saying, but God loves everyone. Yes, he is, but he is a good judge. He is a solid judge. He is a just judge, and he must judge accordingly, and he will. So where does that leave us as we study through this tribulation as a reality, as a real thing? This tribulation period will happen. All of these things that I mentioned before, all of these seals and these bowls and these trumpets that is released, that is opened by the one who is worthy to do so, all of these things that are happening, that are going to happen are a real thing. And even as Larry mentioned last week, there's going to be thirds and thirds of the world's population that will die. This is a very gloomy thing that is going to happen, but we Hold no fear or worry about the tribulation because you, church, when you are persecuted, God will come to your defense and to your aid. Why? Because he holds the victory. You will not endure God's wrath. He loves you. He loves the church. But that should set a fire under us, church. That should set a fire under us. As we continue to read, look at what he begins to say in verse 8. When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who do not know God, on those who don't obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. And on that day, when he comes to be glorified with his saints and be marveled by all those who have believed because our testimony among you has believed He is coming for you, but there's also destruction that is in sight because he's a just judge. He is God. He is good, and he must do so. He must do so. Why? Because the Scripture said that he was what? Righteous. He is a good, good God. I want to read verse 3 now of the song that we just sang. Because I think it, again, fits so beautifully to what we're studying here. And should this life, should this life bring suffering, Lord, I will what? Remember. 
what are we doing this morning? We're remembering who holds the victory. We are remembering the reality of the tribulation to come. Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me, both now and forever. Suffering may come, church. Suffering may come, but there is no suffering that will be worse than the tribulation. And I don't say that to scare you or to make you worry or to make you fearful, but for you to almost have a a fight in you that is relit maybe. To make you know that there's probably someone who's coming across your mind that God is maybe giving you opportunity to, to speak God into their life. Because listen, those who do not know this lamb that opens these things, the one that is not written in the book of life is going to experience these things. Listen again to how it is described in Second Thessalonians. When he takes vengeance... You know, when I look at that word vengeance, I'm reminded of a, of a psalm that David wrote. <clears throat> and David went through a lot of persecution. He went through a lot of anguish. He went through uh, an, an uprising of his own son. He went through uh, the whole thing with Saul. I mean, he just had one of those very roller coaster lives. He dealt with a lot of, some would say, tribulation or sufferings in his life. And, one, and in one of these days, you know... Uh, he, he, he finally made it, right? He was, he was crowned king and all was going good. And David could have done anything he wanted to to his enemies. He could have made the choice. He could have said, I want to put them to death. David could have done any of those things that he wanted to do. And yet in, in one of the Psalms, David writes this. He says, the vengeance is for God. Listen to me, church. You may not be persecuted, You may go through some suffering. You may go through some tribulation. But this morning, let me remind you that the vengeance is not for us. The vengeance is not for us. Vengeance is coming. Jesus is bringing it, but it is not for us. And so when we go out there, this after we go through this thing, it is not for us to bring condemnation onto people, but to lead them out of tribulation, not into it. That's what we are to do. The vengeance is for God, not you not me. Vengeance is coming with flaming fire on those, listen to who he says, on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people in our lives that we know need that love, that need Jesus Christ in their lives. There is no doubt about it. And so when I say that there may be something relit in your life, I'm hoping that as we go through this, that in your loving way, and as we maturely sit through this, and that we're spiritually led, that God is going to give you opportunity to lead someone out of tribulation because the reality is tribulation is real. It is very real, and Jesus is coming. And he's going to put an end to it. Verse 9 says this again. They will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence. That is hell. That is what it is. Separation, complete separation from the presence of God. Complete 
separation from the presence of God. That is what should kindle this, this morning. Eternal destruction from the presence of God and from His glorious strength. And on that day, when He comes to be glorified by His saints and to be marveled at by all those who have believed because our testimony among you was believed. Church, you believe this morning. You believe. You have faith. Therefore, there is no fear. There is no worry. God holds the victory. And God, yes, God is giving us a clear reality of the tribulation. Last thing. Remember why we need to know of the tribulation, why it's important. I think verse 10 kind of gives us a starter. Gives us a little bit of a starting point. In verse 11, it goes on. In verse 12 and 11, it goes on to say this. In view of this, we always pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling. And by his power, fulfill every desire to do good. And your work produced by faith. So that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified by you and you by him according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. There's a reason why we need to know of the tribulation. In verse 11, he explains to us to pray. And so that God makes you worthy of his calling to resolve all good and for his power, for his glory. Notice though what he says there. He really begins with saying he's praying for you, but then he goes back and he says, remember to pray. What we lack most, I feel like, in our lives is that we lack the point of praying for specific people for God to do something in their life and we rely solely on the gifts that God has given us and yet we never go to the Father and he's reminding the church of Thessalonica there is something coming. There's a tribulation coming. There are those that are going to be extinguished. They're going to be leaving the presence of God and in fire. And I'm telling you now to pray. Church, pray. We pray for those people. If, if we walk out of here this morning and we're okay with, with seeing this, with what God has to come for those who persecute the church and stand against it, we need to love our enemies and pray for them daily because God is coming with something that we should never want any person to have to go through, that any person that we know will have to endure, that will have to go through and suffer. We don't want that. Verse 12 says it like this. It explains it, that we do this ultimately for who? For the glory of Jesus Christ. We pray. We hold in perseverance. We hold in love and in faith in Jesus Christ. Why? For his ultimate glory. His ultimate glory. Yes, there's a tribulation coming, but why do we need to remember the tribulation? Why do we need to know about it? Why does the church need to know about God's wrath coming to this world? Because there's people right now that you know that could possibly experience it. He's telling this to the church of Thessalonica because there were people outside that church in that town that were going to experience this and he didn't want them to do so. 
There are people in your life right now, church, as we look at this, as we get ready to go into a time of decision, my hope for you this morning as we begin to pray, as we begin to look to God for us to make decisions for Him, that you would remember that there are people in your life that you come across of that could very well experience the wrath of God. Now, we're not to worry about that. We're not to have a, a fear of that as people of God. But it is important for us to know what is to come. It's very important. Why? Because that should give us even more momentum to say, you know what? I know that God is going to make a move. I know that God is going to give me opportunity. How do we know this? Because we're going to pray about it. We're going to pray about it. And here in a moment, you're going to have your opportunity. You're going to have an opportunity to, to, to make this altar a place for you to come, to glorify Him, and to understand that, yes, there is, there is stuff coming that we do not want people to go through. This tribulation is not a pretty sight. People are going to suffer and they are going to die. But may I remind you that God is good. May I remind you that God is good. He's good. He's just. And He's going to judge those. And He is going to come to your defense, church. That's what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica. He's coming to your defense. He's coming to uplift you. He's coming to get you so that you don't experience this. Because here's the deal. God's going to do away with this. God is, uh, is going to send His Son, and He is going to absolutely bring an end to this, and you will reign with Him forever. But as we pray this morning, may we remember that we're praying to glorify Him, and we glorify Him. Why? Because we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity each and every day and every moment to let people know about Jesus Christ through our actions, through our words. And even more so through our even our social media. May this message do this for you this morning to pray for those who will endure this wrath. But here's the ultimate thing. Let's be a church that leads people out of tribulation. Let's be a church that leads people out of tribulation and to eternity with Him so that they can share in glorifying Him for all eternity. Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church. Collective Church.